Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Nikki, we've already done the conversation with our guest today. We're doing recording this out of order, and I have to tell you, I think I've come up with like five shirt ideas for the merch <laughs> store. Yes. I'm pretty excited about that. I've got, I'm going to have so many new coffee mugs, you don't even know. It's going to be, my, my cup runneth over with ideas for cups. Yes. I can't wait. Yes. Uh, our, our guest today is the wonderful Dr. Sharon Celine back after this is, I, I think, Sharon's almost to the to the Hall of Fame, uh, 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 which is fantastic with, you know, James Ochoa, who, who, who's at five. I think Sharon hits four with this episode. So almost to the Hall of Fame. Very excited. We are continuing <laughs> our conversation about uh, self-compassion. And today, my goodness, we're talking about perfectionism. Uh, so much to work on, Nikki. So much. It's oh my a goodness. strong one. Oof. Before we get into it, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at TakeControlADHD. But to really connect with us, join the ADHD Discord community. Super easy to jump into the general chat channel. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord and you'll be whisked over to the general invitation page and log in. And if you're looking for a little more, particularly if this show is ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Again, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. And you know, if you join at the deluxe level or better, you can jump into the live chat. You could be chatting right along with Sharon and me and Nikki and, and we could you could ask questions. We have a member of bonus extended episodes. It's all very, very exciting. Oh, it's my favorite time. Favorite, favorite time of the podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Text Expander, one of the best invisible tools in my tech tool chest. Here's how it works. If there's a piece of text that I type more than once, that's a signal that I need to add it to Text Expander. I keep my most used emails, phrases, text messages, URLs, and more right in my Text Expander library. A snippet can include text, links, images, code, account numbers, phone numbers, addresses, whatever you want. The trick is, for each one of those snippets in my library, I assign a unique abbreviation. Then, I expand it. 
I can deploy the content I need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps I use. I just type the abbreviation for the snippet I'm looking for and boom, text expanded. You can even get your whole team or family access to the content they need to use every day, organize it by department or group, and make sure that all your snippets are used consistently wherever they're needed. This month's tip is an easy one, and honestly, you don't have to do anything more to make use of it than type. Text Expander has a number of public libraries of snippets that you can add to your own personal library available at snippets.textexpander.com. And while there are a slew of them in there, I recommend adding the Accented Words Library. Once you do that, you'll never have to worry about typing fiancé or voila or touché or sousson without the appropriate acute, grave, or sedilia diacritical marks again. Makes you look like a real smarty, too. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And for listeners of the ADHD podcast, you can get 20% off your first year of service. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Text Expander. You will be whisked over to our page on their site where you can get started. Again, if you get started now, you'll save 20% off your subscription. The way we work is changing rapidly. Make work work the way your brain works by saying more in less time with less effort using Text Expander. Our great thanks to the Text Expander team for sponsoring the ADHD podcast. And now, Nikki, do we have news? Yes, we do. So tax study halls are going to be offered every Saturday and Sunday for Patreons at the deluxe tier and higher. And they are going to be offered through tax day of April 18th. In fact, we're going to have a couple more extra times available as it gets closer to April 18th. So if this is something that you would like to do with other people, which taxes are not fun to do by yourself, and they're really not fun to do with other people either, but they're a little bit more fun to do with other people. So <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. So this gives you an opportunity to do that. Also, I want you to keep an eye on email and social media because GPS enrollment will be opening to the public next week, Tuesday, April 4th. And those people who have been patiently waiting on our wait list will be able to sign up even sooner. So this is a great opportunity that you won't want to miss. Enrollment only opens three times a year. So the next enrollment won't open until the fall. So don't wait to take control of your planning. And you can learn more about GPS and the monthly membership program on our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. We've talked about parenting with her. We've talked about therapy and ADHD with her. But my favorite episode with Dr. Sharon Celine was all about stinking thinking and self-compassion with ADHD. So you can imagine that embarking on this series on that very subject would bring her back to the show. Sharon is the author of the award-winning book, What Your Child Wishes You Knew, Working Together to Empower Kids for Success in Schools and Life, and the ADHD Solution Card Deck. She specializes in working with neurodiverse children, teens, young adults, and families, and aims to help outside-the-box thinkers improve executive functioning and social-emotional skills while also building practical communication tools and self-esteem. Sharon, welcome back to the ADHD Podcast. Thank you so much. It's always a great pleasure, and I have to say a lot of fun to talk with you two. Uh, it's one of the highlights of this week for sure. Oh, that's so uh, sweet. The last time you were here, you were talking about stinking thinking. 
And I, I stinking thinking, stinking thinking. I just like saying it, stinking thinking. But it really <laughs> feels like, um, you know, this in the middle of our self compassion series is kind of a sequel to uh, mm-hmm. that last conversation. Uh, uh, we're talking specifically about self compassion and perfectionism and the role that these perfectionist behaviors, traits play into our ability to like ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important to start with what is perfectionism, right? So perfectionism is known as a combination of overly high personal standards and intensely critical self-evaluations that may or may not be applied to others, and they're definitely applying them to yourself. And perfectionist people um, believe that mistakes represent personal flaws, and that they may never be good enough, um, and that acceptance uh, as a person means having no faults. There are two types of perfectionism, productive or what's sometimes called adaptive perfectionism, which supports motivation and productivity and persistence. It helps us get started and do things because we want them to be a particular way. And then there's toxic, maladaptive perfectionism, which blocks us from actually sometimes finishing that thing that we were so excited about starting Mm -hmm. because it's not quite right. Or um, it perpetuates negative self-esteem, rigidity, and defensiveness. And so this kind of toxic perfectionism really um, feeds that shame spiral. And it's where we absolutely have to exert some compassion toward ourselves. Where's the where's yeah. the co- corollary between perfectionism and ADHD uh, mm. ADHD traits? I'm looking at like I, I'm looking right at you, hyperfocus. Like it feels <laughs> like it's is it possible that that some of these traits of not being able to let go uh, yes. are linked to toxic perfectionism? Well, yes and no. So uh, the thing is, we have to sort of zoom out a little bit more when you ask that question, Pete, because what we, we want to look at is about perfectionism and anxiety. So we know that 50% of adults with ADHD have anxiety, like a bona fide, mm-hmm. you know, disorder that's their, their therapist writes down as a, as a diagnosis. I'm not, you know, I think it's great to have a diagnosis. I don't particularly like the word disorder. Who wants to have a disorder? Nobody. Um, but it is a condition. And I think if we think of it as a condition, then that will help those of us who are perfectionists. And I am a recovering perfectionist, which means I will be recovering my entire life, I think. Um, it helps us um, gain some perspective and just accept that this is this is part of who I am. It has there are great things about it, and there are also challenging things about it. So uh, perfectionism is linked to a number of anxiety reactions that we also see in people with ADHD. So concern over mistakes, these excessively high personal standards, um, perhaps expectations of others, whether they're parents or bosses or our kids, criticism from others, sensitivity to that, um, doubts about our actions, um, sort of a a series of, of, of recrimination that we might say to ourselves after doing something. There are physiological responses to perfectionism that connect with anxiety um, and with ADHD. And um, 
We know that perfectionism is a risk factor, particularly in high stress situations for for vulnerability to different mental health conditions, um, and that it can lead to a kind of hopelessness or panic. Um, and then there are, of course, organizational challenges re- related to perfectionism. You know, I would like it to be this particular way. And when it's not, I may just throw in the towel and then the piles will start. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the, the territory that I wanted to lay out for the listeners. So we're all, all kind of on the same page about how these are related. And the way that this, um, uh, the way that this connects with ADHD all or nothing thinking, yeah. right? For sure. Fear of disappointing yourself or others. Mm-hmm. Sensitivity to criticism. Mm-hmm. A desire to control outcomes, to avoid rejection or judgment, or that um, that the, that feeling like you're a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe rejecting praise and and acknowledging success as luck rather than as an as a result of the hard work or your intelligence or the way that you you know really sustained your attention and pu- push through something to reach a goal. Um, and then setting these really um, kinds of impossible standards of performance. So for a lot of people with ADHD, they you know, want to perform at a particular level that is not actually congruent with what their capacity is or their ability is. And so for, and that's true for perfectionists also, mm-hmm. you know, we, we set standards for ourselves that are inhuman. Nobody could do this. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I work on myself. You know, I have to say um, to myself, like, no, actually is an okay response and you can only do so much in in, in a particular given amount of time. Estimation of perfection is objective, right? It's like I put that on myself of what perfect is and that's sort of the hidden terrible joke that I could put I could put all of my attention to creating something that in my esteem is perfect and the rest of the world says it's not. And that, to me, is the cycle of RSD that comes back in where mm-hmm. I'm constantly grounded down by the fact that my sense of taste is not in alignment with what people are expecting, even though I can't do anything but what I have already set as my perfect standard. Did I say objective? I meant subjective. It's completely subjective, completely subjective because yeah. you, mm-hmm. this is your perception about what perfect is. And the thing is, there is no perfect, right? There is no Mm -hmm. perfect. I mean, you know, uh, me is a snowflake perfect. I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, one one of them is one of them. We just haven't found it. We just haven't found it yet. There's one tulip that's absolutely perfect. Right. 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 Denmark. But we uh, somewhere, you know, in the Netherlands, it's growing right now. Um, But, you know, what happens is by um, trying to live up to these standards of profession, perfection, I said profession, that's really interesting. Professionalism or um, performance or perfection, all of these P's, um, we're putting a huge amount of stress on our system. And so what happens for our brains is that when we're under stress, you know, the amygdala, that fight, flight or freeze organ Mm -hmm. in the limbic system, the emotional 
control center of our brain is activated. So what we are, the, you know, it activates and the amygdala says to our hormones, you know, we need more adrenaline, we need cortisol. Um, and so then we're running on stress. Mm-hmm. We're doing things on stress. This is why a lot of people with ADHD don't get things done until like the 11th hour mm-hmm. because they need that cortisol to substitute for the lower amounts of dopamine or norepinephrine that are naturally occurring in ADHD brains. Well, that I'm seems not, like it, a... It's interesting because when it when you wait it, until the eleventh hour, you you might be also waiting for the perfect environment, the perfect circumstances. So it's not even just your work. It's like, okay, that desk has to be completely clean before I can start writing, or you know. And again, going back to kind of that all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I want to say that I think is really important for our listeners to understand and hear again are the two different kinds of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about the productive kind versus the toxic, because a lot of times I hear clients say, I'm a perfectionism or I'm a f- perfectionist, and they wear it as a badge of honor almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not the productive kind, because as you go in and talk to them more deep, mm-hmm. deeper about what they mean by that, then you hear everything that you just said mm-hmm. about toxic perfectionism. So I just think it's important for people to to see that that there are two different kinds. And it's hard, I think, Nikki, I mean, for me, I know that it's hard for me to sort of wrestle with my perfectionism, Mm -hmm. because um, there's perfectionism, and then what? Right. Does that mean you don't care? Yeah. There's perfectionism. And yeah, I don't care at all. No, that's not really how it works for me. And there's perfectionism, and there's good enough. So, but then we get into like the shades of good enough question, right? right? And for perfectionists, that's really tricky territory as it Mm -hmm. is for people with ADHD. It's like, okay, well, I think this is good enough, but other people don't. So Mm -hmm. therefore it's not good enough. So then how do I measure what is good enough? And, and, and we, it's like this vicious cycle um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like perfectionist, good enough, perfectionist, good enough, failure. You know, mm-hmm. like you just can't kind of find your way out of it. And mm-hmm. and what we have to do, and I think it's so great um, that this is um, a series on ADHD and self-compassion, is we actually have to be with ourselves and make that decision. So for example, generally failure is an exaggerated response to any type of performance that you're called on to do as an adult, right? Very Mm -hmm. few adults are going to fail at what they're doing. What they might end up doing is be is in is ha, is having an experience be incomplete or a task is incomplete um or it's delayed or it might be um have all have most of the boxes checked but not all of them so it it, it qualifies as good enough so when i've worked with adults with ADHD i circle back to this question over and over again what does good enough mean to you Mm-hmm. And what does good enough mean to the person that you're in some kind of relationship with, whether it's a partner, a friend, uh, a supervisor, what are the standards of good enough? Because if you understand that the, the, the questions 
uh, or, or, you know, I was going to say the, um, the arena of good enough, then you know where you can apply yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that helps, you know, lower that stress. Mm-hmm. That to me gets to the cycle of uh, perfectionism and procrastination, which mm-hmm. I feel like if if I get if I let myself talk myself into a sort of perfectionist state where I can't mm-hmm. then then that leads me to not starting something because I'm so sort of paralyzed by the story I'm telling myself about how people won't like it if it's not perfect. Right. So perfectionism and procrastination, you know, perfectionism, procrastination is really an attempt to limit your mistakes mm-hmm. and reduce for future shame. So you're concerned that you're going to mess up now and then you'll be ashamed later. So you want to avoid that. So right. you're going to try to do um, any sorts of other things um, instead of the task you have to do. So, you know, and that we, you know, Russell Ramsey calls that procrastivity. I call it productive procrastination because often you're doing something else that needs to be that that needs to be done, but it's not the task at hand. So you feel like, okay, you see, I'm actually doing th- some things. I'm feeling mm-hmm. good about myself, but then I'm uh, really delaying this thing that I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do and measure up to. Mm-hmm. And so what we really want to do is think about this idea of. Of, of of whose standards are we talking about? Yeah. And that's kind of where self-compassion comes in because many people with ADHD and many without who are perfectionists um, don't talk to themselves in a nice way. You no. know, they kind of um, talk to themselves in, in the way, um, a, you know, like somebody would would have a whip and and whip it on the ground and really be putting yourself down. You know what I want people to think about is how would you talk to a third grader with a skin knee? And do you talk to yourself that way? Because usually the answer is no. Yeah, I that's one of the things that's been interesting just in this little series through our our live stream chats is just hearing the the consistent drum of I would never in a million years talk to anyone else in the world the way I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. Third grader with a skin knee, best friend, family member, I would never talk to them that way. I would never subject them to that part of my identity the way mm-hmm. I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge because, you know, if you're uh, if you're someone with ADHD, you're really a creative thinker, you're smart, you're inventive, you're innovative, you're probably fun, uh, you you have a lot of ideas and it's hard it's hard first of all to rein those ideas in. It's hard to prioritize those ideas. And then um, you want to manifest them in some way. And so if you if you have this thing on top of that, which is like, however I manifest, it has to be perfect. It's really um, it, it's really kind of uh, uh, crippling. You know, you just you sort of start to crumble down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz when you pour water on her. You just. Yeah. Yeah. In. yeah. Right. Well, and you mentioned recovery, that you're a recover you're you're a per- perfectionist in recovery or however. I you am know. a recovering yes. perfectionist. Yes. yes. So it's interesting because there was something that was said to me at the beginning of the week when we were talking about acceptance of mm-hmm. ADHD. And uh, the comment was, I'm realizing that it's just not a one and done thing. 
Like, I'm not just going to say, I accept my ADHD and everything's great in the world. Like it is a continuously uh, something that you have to work, work on and, and figure out. I see the same thing with self-compassion and directly related to perfectionism because it isn't just one and done. Oh, I'm going to really take care of myself. Like you might think that, but you really have to intentionally focus on talking to yourself in this moment it's so true. You know, I think that, you know, Dr. Richard Schwartz is you know, internationally known for internal family systems. Uh, and, you know, what I what I like to take from that is and we you know, people, coaches have talked about this for you know years is this idea of an inner critic and an inner ally. I, I feel like it's an inner critic and an inner cheerleader because the critic is so darn strong and powerful that we need more than an ally. We actually do need uh, you know, someone who is, you know, an, a, a cheerleader, a motivator. Um, and uh, because the critic um, has, 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 has a well-worn path in your brain about what it's telling you about how you're wrong or stupid or, you know, incapable. And the, and, and you know, I'm, I, I'd like to come up with a different word for cheerleader. So check back with me because I'm working <laughs> on it. Um, I haven't come up with the right C word because I want it to be, you know, perfect. Of course. <laughs> of course. And have alliteration. Um, but you know, this inner coach, let's maybe we'll have to go with that. Right. Inner coach. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. So this inner coach is actually both a cheerleader and an ally mm-hmm. because it's going to, to, to give you some perspective and let, and take, and take the heat off of you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about reducing perfectionism, what we're talking about is actually working on the interpersonal needs that are the precursors of perfectionism, the need to be accepted, the need to be cared for, and the need to feel like you matter. You know, that that's kind of underneath all of this. And what the inner critic does is it takes those needs and lets you know about why you're an imposter, how you failed, you know, I'm not who I present, People don't know the failure I truly am underneath. If I mess up, I'm a bad person. And so we actually have to work with our inner coach and come up with statements that counteract those phrases. So some of those statements could be, you know, I'm doing the best I can in a difficult situation or I'm trying um, and it takes time to, to learn how to do this. Um, what happens is that we want to validate the fact that we're uncertain or we're nervous or we're hurt instead of criticizing ourselves for being weak or vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So we want to like really put your hand in your heart area and say, I'm making, uh, an effort here. Efforting takes full body, um, full body. uh, It's a full body experience, mind and, you know, and, and physical um, and your, and heart. Um, And I think that's really important. And, you know, and what we, we spend so much time comparing at, uh, with ourselves, with others, particularly with the phone and, and online, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Like, yeah. You know, and so yeah. I call this the compare and despair syndrome. Yeah, because it goes back to who exactly are you comparing yourself to? Exactly. I learned how to ski really late in life. And it was a short-lived experience because, of course, I tore my ACL and that was it. So, um, but um, when I was learning to ski, my friend Sheldon, who has ADHD and um, was a very successful, uh, you know, trainer for for salespeople, he was also you know, a ski instructor, he, he decided he loves skiing so much. He wanted to teach on Saturdays at this mountain near my house. And so that's of course how I learned to ski. He's like, I'll teach you. And I was like, okay. So we're up there in the mountain and literally, you know, I'm learning to ski. I think I'm like 42 maybe or something, you know, it's harder at this age. Right. Right. Yeah. And Sheldon has me go down. So we're like, we do the easy trails and then he decides, okay, it's time for a blue something. I don't know what if it's like a circle. What is it? A circle, a square. I'm not sure. Diamonds. Whatever. Yeah. Yellow hearts. So, I think there's a green you know, shamrock in there. Down a big tunnel. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so, like, literally, I'm like falling every few minutes. And we, we, you know, I ski a little and I fall. I ski a little and I fall. And I get to the middle of the mountain and I basically turn to Sheldon and I said, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he says, I said, I hate you and I hate skiing. And he's like, hold up. He's very bossy. He's like, hold up. Turn around and look at where you came from. And I turned around and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I came from there and look, I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, and so that that's what I, and I think about this when I think about compare and despair, because compare and despair is you're looking sideways at what other people are doing. What we want to do is look Oof. at where we are coming from individually to where we are now and uh. think about where we're going forward. And people do not do this. Perfectionists no. do not do this. People with ADHD are not raised to do this because from the time you're a little kid, you hear about what you're doing differently that isn't like other kids and how you should be doing it like that. Well, wow. that's a dis disappointingly right on target observation. Thanks, Sharon. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh. That's powerful because, and it's a, such a good reminder too, when you're, I mean, it's almost like a strategy to remember, like when you're in the middle of this and you're feeling like you hate your skiing, whatever it is that your yeah. skiing is, are you looking to the side or are you looking from where you came from and, and where you want to go forward? Uh, and, and like you said, most people are looking on the side and the people on the side aren't even real. They're Whoa, like, that's exactly they're it. Not they're even, fake they're people. fake trees. Like, they're not and real. this is my thing. Like I have, there's a guy, I, I actually, we're actually friends, but I have called him for years, my nemesis all the way to, because we're, we were both in the same field and we're both kind of of the same age. We even have the same birthday off by a year or two. Mm -hmm. And so I call him my nemesis. And I realize only now that that is my compare and despair. And the guy that I've been comparing myself to mm -hmm. isn't that guy. It's this like giant head cartoon character caricature of this guy exactly. who is just more perfect than I am. Even if he has a name of somebody in the real world, that's not, that's not who he is. Of course, mm -hmm, that's not who right. he is. And he's right. probably looking at, at me the same way, right? Or as somebody else. There's always right. a nemesis. You know, you, you just don't know. Like, I mean, everybody, you know, 
uh, everybody takes a shower in pretty much the same way. You yeah. know? And so what we want to do again, we want to validate ourselves rather than deny ourselves um, any kinds of acknowledgement of what we're doing well or what's going well. So we want to say things like, hmm, you know what, I'd really like to impress my boss with this, this, with this report. Um, it makes sense that I'm nervous about that. I'm not sure I can handle it. It's natural for me to worry a little bit in that situation. So maybe I want to complete the report, you know, a day early and have someone check it out so that I can then make some yeah. uh, corrections or, you know, I want to throw my, my, my son, the best birthday party ever. Well, good luck with that. You want to throw your son the birthday party that suits your son. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're, we're very concerned as a culture now about what other people think of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I am too, you know, I mean, I could easily compare myself to Brene Brown. It would be a short comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to be Brene Brown, right? Right. Um, but I'm not, you know, right. I'm me, I'm Sharon, I'm doing it my way. You're Pete, mm-hmm. you're doing it your way. Nikki, you're doing it your way. And that's where the acceptance comes in too, right? I mean, really mm-hmm. accepting how you think, how you work, you know, yeah. what what you need and not not considering all of the other things that are, are distracting that. Like just what what do you want? What do you need? Right. out of this. Yeah. And, and taking I, care of that. I'm, I'm curious your observation on like domain perfectionism. Is that a thing that exists? Like you, you find that you, 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 you like, I don't know how to put it. Like I find that perfectionism might sneak up on me, right? Where I didn't even realize that I was a perfectionist about words, right? My writing, right? Or I'm a perfectionist about the technology that I have in my back. And, and there are things that that I find will drive me to that level of compare and despair and uh, all of this. But in other areas of my life, I'm really pretty chill. Is that a is that reasonable? Or is this a just a is this a broader behavior? I, I think it, it can be, you know, linked to certain domains. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, for example, the, the one that you're saying, but usually there's a, I find that there's a little thread of it in other places, but I think there are one or two areas where people are really focused on being perfect. And then there are other areas that they might be willing to be less perfect in because they know they can't sustain perfection in every single area. Right. And if you think you can, I just want to de- dispel that myth because you can't. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. You know, Fair. radical acceptance is really about accepting life on life's terms and, and and accepting yourself on your own terms. You know, again, we don't we don't say things to ourselves that we would say to a third grader with a skin knee. Yeah. And if you're struggling with what to say to yourself, um, that would be something that your inner coach slash ally could say to you, think about someone in your life who really loved you or loves you. Um, Maybe it was a grandmother. Um, Maybe it was a particular teacher who, who really connected with you when you were younger or a favorite uncle or an aunt or um, a pet. What would that being say to you about you? Yeah, that's a that's a very powerful thought 
to pause for a moment, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be able to identify and recognize what, where, where you, where you're instinctively wanting to go, but wait a minute, maybe there's something else I could do instead that, that will yeah. actually serve me. You know, I work with some clients right now and one of them, his name is Al. That's a created name, by the way. Um, and Al, um, and Al likes to, he gets frozen when he has to write things because they have to be perfect because he wants people to see how smart he is. And so we're working on this in therapy because, you know, how you write things is how you write things. And people may or may not infer how smart you are, quote unquote, from that process. So we're working on like, well, well, like, what are these two parts, you know, this inner critic and this inner coach, and the inner critic is called, you know, stupid Al. And yeah, yep. out literally, yeah. that was the name of the, co- the, 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 the critic it was like, who is the voice? What is the negative voice named stupid Al? Stupid, and Al. stupid Al says all kinds of mean things. And I said, well, okay, well, what is the name of that encouraging, caring part of yourself? Sharon? Said, yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's the name. <laughs> is perfect poindexter and it like it's like a tall slender perfect person who wears like medieval garb with one of those long like cigarette holders so they can tap at the end right of course yeah yeah (laughs) but it is fun to sort of play with a little like to create that character like i see that character and it's got a long pointy nose and it's like Yeah. Let me tell you why this isn't good enough, Sharon. And then on the other side, I have like courageous, you know, goofy Sharon. And Mm -hmm. like, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm wearing my tie dye pantsuit. And right. (laughs) Yeah. What, where, (laughs) what is the psychology of that? Because I'm curious. um, I had a group recently, and one of the things that he was working on, and it's a group around overwhelm and ADHD. And he really wanted to work around like identifying the feeling. Like I want to identify when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And when he practiced it, it actually really did help like throughout the week. Cause he felt like he had a little bit more control, you know, mm-hmm. of, of what was going on. What you just explained is identifying it and also going a step further of actually like visualizing this thing. Mm-hmm. How does that help us? Like, I'm just curious about the psychology. Well, of that. it's a little bit playful. So what happens is that, um, not to be too technical here, but that that inner critic merges with our self. Okay, so with our self concept, you could call it ego. Uh, if you were Jungian, you would call it the self. The, with the, you know, so mm-hmm. it you know merges with the self. You know, Schwartz talks about that, and so it becomes fused. And so then there's no space between who you are and what that critic is saying. And so we want to create some space. We want to externalize this, this particular voice so that we can actually talk back to it. 
because that's where our freedom is. Our freedoms in being able to say, thanks, I know you're worried about my performance, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this thing in because it's due. And if I make a mistake, I actually have the resources within me to manage what's going to happen from that mistake. You know, that's part of what this is about. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't possess the tools I need to fix or take care of or regroup if something doesn't go well, which actually is very rarely the case. Mm -hmm. That's a learned Mm -hmm. helplessness from childhood. Mm -hmm. And another Mm -hmm. artifact of toxicity. Correct. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right. I got a lot of work to do, you guys. You know what? Here's the thing. In that old adage, it's like, you know, it's two steps forward and one Mm -hmm. step back. The thing that the adage doesn't take account for is that actually two steps forward and one step back is still one One step step forward. forward. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's crazy that you just said that because I just got a text message from a client today that said that. She said, I'm two steps forward, one step back. And I'm going to tell her that I'm going to get, when we're done, I'm texting her back. This is what Sharon said. There, (laughs) there you go. But that's so true. It's so true. It's so true. So, okay. You've made a mistake. You know, I, I do this for myself. It's like, oops, I said the wrong thing. And I had too much intensity behind it. And now like, I have to like, apologize a million times, you know, even though one apology is satisfactory and the other, you know, 999,000, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, water it down. Um, So we want to, you know, see our our mistakes or our challenges as learning opportunities that's what a growth mindset is about yes. we want to acknowledge our vulnerabilities as areas for improvement not personal failures and to really identify and appreciate our strengths so mm-hmm. you know yes having being intense and passionate and interrupting can be challenging and somewhat limiting at certain times, but it can also mean that you're passionate and you're fun and you're exciting to be around and you're engaged. So it's a yes and. You know, one of the things we've sort of been uncovering over the last couple of weeks is this idea that, you know, hearing somebody talk about you know, doing these things for yourself is one thing. Reading it at a book, you know, you have to let go of negative self-talk is one thing. Mm-hmm. But actually doing it is something that can feel impossible. What guidance do you have for somebody who's living in this sort of liminal space to actually make it a practice, to actually make this sort of renewed view of oneself a practice in their daily lives? Mm, It's a great question. So um, one thing, one thing. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that you might want to work on. My husband will say, I want you to turn off the light on the, you know, in the garage when you come in and don't put your stuff on the counter, put it in your cubby. And also, could you stop interrupting me? I'm like, which one? First of all, why are there three things I'm doing wrong in the first place? Like that feels terrible. And then also, which is the one that you want me to work on? Um, And of course he's like, well, I don't know. They're all important. I'm like one. (laughs) You get one one thing. One thing. He's like, well, probably interrupting me. I'm like, ugh, the hardest one. (laughs) The hardest one you want me to do, yeah. (laughs) And then you're still going to be mad if I don't turn off the garage light. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, So 
So I, I think the thing is that what I say, and if I do interrupt, I say, I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a process. You know, I'm not, I mean, I've been, you know, I come from a pretty high energy, intense family where people interrupted all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, usually interrupt when I don't feel listened to, or if you're repeating yourself. So I need to try to figure out how to express that in a different way. But you know, you just hit it. Like I, it is amazing to me just how uh, warm the words feel. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. like, that is a, that is a, that's actually a statement of love to somebody else mm-hmm. or to yourself that. With your you hand know, on your heart. Yeah. I'm yeah. Right. I'm working on yes. it. I'm working on it. It, it encapsulates an awful lot. I also like one thing. I think the idea of, of, you know, stopping and picking the thing that I'm going to focus on today to make that just sort of the, the mantra of my day. Mm-hmm. This is the thing I'm going to change. One thing, period. One thing. I mean, that's the problem with New Year's resolutions. People come mm-hmm. up with like seven. Who could yeah. do seven things in one right. year? This year, I'm going to work on interrupting less. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'm living and I'm learning because I'm human and I'm awake, you know, right. so um, I may stumble. Mm-hmm. I may forget. And that's OK. That is an opportunity for me to just. You know, to pivot and own my what I'm doing, be mm-hmm. accountable and then keep trying. Right. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So this is great, great. Sharon. Thank tell us, so uh, as we wrap up here, tell us what you're working on. What are you working on right now that's amazing? What am I working on right now? Um, well, I am finishing up a book proposal that is, I hope, someday going to be a graphic novel for kids with ADHD. Oh, how fun. to my five C's of ADHD. And I'm redoing my website. Yay. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> and so that's like well, one thing. Like That's wait, one and thing. And yeah. then there's the book on anxiety that yep. I want to write too. So, right. Yeah. Now we've got three. Okay. So now exactly. we have three things, Sharon. The number two one books. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the website is the number one. Is the number that's one the number thing. one thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to put links to the website in whatever state that it happens to be in when you happen to hit it uh, in the Thank show you. notes, along with links to all of Sharon's great stuff that uh, she's talked about in the years that she's been coming back to this show. Thank you so much much, Sharon. You are a wonderful gift to us and the community. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Um, It was really, I learned a lot. Um, It was really great to be both, um, you know, participating in this conversation and learning simultaneously. So thank you. Very kind. Very kind. And we appreciate all of you for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Dr. Sharon Selene and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.